Welcome to My Therapist is Out, an open space therapy collective podcast. We are your hub for queer and trans mental health care. Each episode, we'll speak with one of our therapists or collective members and chat about a mental health topic using a queer lens. And I am your host, Renee Johnson, licensed professional clinical counselor, art therapist, and founder of Open Space Therapy Collective. Today we have a special episode as we invite Lindsay Stevens, the head witch at Crystal Case Apothecary, to join us and discuss how she is dedicated to advocating for BIPOC creatives struggling with chronic mental and physical illnesses. She's committed to providing creatives with the tools they need to seamlessly integrate their prescription into their daily lives while also infusing joy and guidance in the process. As we dive into today's topic, please keep in mind that this is a mental health podcast and we will talk about sensitive issues. If you would like to be informed of any trigger warnings, please read the podcast description. Welcome to My Therapist Does Out, an Open Space Therapy Collective podcast. We have an extra special episode for you today and I am so excited. And we are here with Lindsay Stevens from Crystal Case Apothecary, which we are so excited to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me and for making the space to have these awesome kinds of conversations. It is my pleasure to be here. Awesome. Yeah. And so I want to let you introduce yourself um, because I want to, there's so many things about what you do and how you got to the space that I have questions about and want to celebrate you about. Um, But to give the OSDC audience who doesn't know you yet, just a little bit of background, like Absolutely. who are you and how how did you get to this space with us and how did Apothecary yes. come to be? Absolutely. So I'm Lindsay. I'm a former colonized mentalism witch and patient advocate. So I'm head witch of Crystal Case Apothecary and that's where I use the field of graphic medicine to help LGBTQ plus individuals and BIPOC creatives and allies shine and specifically navigate the medical industry um, along their healthcare journey to get the best care they can from their medical provider. And so I like to say in short that I'm nurse joy, but for people, not Pokemon. (laughs) And yes, I am here because I met Riley when we were working in a lovely, awesome job um, together, and we just clicked. And I'm so grateful for that. That's awesome. Yes. It's um, so in, I mean, you said so much in just that, those few sentences. Um, and I love, one of the things that I've really loved about the messaging that you're putting out that I think is really different is often um, the people who are big into spiritualism and being a witch and that that realm of being a wonderful human are tend to be anti-medical care and anti-medicine. And the fact that you're bringing both of those in and you're bringing in um, the like BIPOC care to it is like yes. such this wonderful needed space and such a powerful space for you to provide. Thank you so much for seeing me and for seeing exactly what it is that I'm doing with just this wonderful clarity that just lights me up on the inside. Um, it is so wonderful to be seen um, for what it is that I'm doing. And it kind of came together because 
I was a I was chronically ill for a very long time, and it started um, when Ferguson happened in like 2014, and that kicked off a host of things that I had never experienced in myself, in my body, and it resulted in just chronic head pain um, mm -hmm. for five years, just undetectable, undiagnosable, unrelinquishing constant head pain that I worked those five years to understand that I'm going to live and die with this head pain, right? Yeah. Because no one in the medical industry could understand what was going on. I was baffling doctors left and right. I was having medical professionals tell me that this was their biggest fear. Um, mm -hmm. And so it was that plus being the subject of medical negligence that really started to hone in on something is missing here from from my experience something mm -hmm. is absent we are devoid of something right now and so you know after five years of you know chronic head pain five years of you know dozens of er trips five years of tens of thousands of dollars you come to understanding that you're on your last leg here you know mm -hmm. i you're on your last leg the healthcare system as it was presented to me and i had the best doctors on the north shore of chicago and los angeles um there was something missing and so in my desperation in my ninth hour of you know looking for relief um, for help. I took a single step outside of the colonial framework of health. Mm -hmm. And I was pushed there. I was pushed there by the five-year-long experimental period of my life by which I sought relief in every single direction, um, and there was none. And what the one step I took was mantra. Mm -hmm. Now, in 2014, if someone had told me say these words, say these words, you know, they will help you. I would have said, get the heck out of here. You have no idea what you're talking about. How dare you mm -hmm. approach me with mantra and thinking mm -hmm. that like, that's going to help me. Like that's going to help universal black suffering. Like it would just been an immediately no, right? Like that's the phrase now, like immediately no. Um, but I was pushed there after five years. And when I started doing mantra, and understanding what mindfulness is. And these are things that during my tenure in therapy were never even touched on, like not once. Mm -hmm. And I started doing it and my head pain immediately left. And now this is something that happened in 2019 that I've been consulting with professionals, consulting with spiritual people, you know, reaffirming just what happened here because this is unbelievable like it's actually unbelievable um yeah <laughs> but there are people that understand how it is possible and there are people mm -hmm. such as yourself that understand um that it's not as weird as you might think it is it's simply they're the colonialism glasses right that make it seem yeah. as if it was strange so that's a little bit about me and why I started Crystal Case um, Apothecary so that I can help, um, you know, people navigate these murky waters and bridge this invisible gap that 
um, was not being filled by my primary care provider, to be quite honest with you. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, I've, so many people's stories get to that point where you're at, where you, it's, I've tried all of the colonial things that I'm supposed to be doing and seeing all the people in the white coats and nothing's working. And that's a point where people get pushed to, wait, maybe this system isn't it. Maybe this is not actually treating my full self. Um, yes. And it's beautiful that you were able to say, be able to step outside of that um, with, it sounds like a lot of, um, a lot of optimism and really like a way to let go of the colonial piece and like really step into yourself. Yes, and it was a coming home for sure. It was a coming home and stepping out of the delusion that we are living in currently. Um, and it's one where, you know, no one is free until all of us are free kind of situation. It serves everybody to understand where we are right now and how we can move through um, these trying times, as people like to say it. So, um, yeah, yeah. Can you, for the listeners who this is kind of their first time hearing about this, can you explain what um, colonialism in medication and medical fields and mental health fields looks like versus other options? Yeah, absolutely. I would say, that it is simply, um, it is devoid of, we could say, the understanding that there's a non-physical component to our physical bodies. And the, it is only shocking if you are very deeply invested in colonialism and you can't distance yourself from it. You know, indigenous peoples and people of color that's kind of something that has always been part of our understanding of existing. <laughs> and so we just have to mm -hmm. turn to well, what does it mean to be existing right now and like start there basically. And you know, science is going to get there, right? Like we're it's already talking about things that we can't see, of course, right? You know, air, black light, you know, it's like it's very close. But there's still this gap in terms of understanding things like chakras or things like, you know, just your internal kind of energetic body, um, it could be called. And so I would say that when those two, when Western medicine, I mean, it's very simple, when like Eastern medicine and Western medicine come together, we will have something truly, you know, spectacular. Um, but until then, it's very important that we find ways to address our non-physical body in our Western healthcare. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's beautifully put. Oh, thank you. Looking, looking back to kind of 2014 and with Ferguson happening and having your non-physical body and your physical body be so impacted, um, what do you think it was about that time and that event that really pushed you to that point? Absolutely. Um, and this is a great question because it asks like, you know, what were the circumstances of this happening? What, what was going on? So what was going on was 
lots of police brutality was being circulated on the news. You know, it was very much like this is a tipping point right now. One of many that has happened over the past like 10 years, but it just, it blew up everywhere. And so here I am having just graduated University of Missouri. I just spent my four years in the South and I'm ready to come back to Chicago and, you know, start my life and all these things. And then, you know, this disaster strikes and it was new because of the attention that it was receiving nationwide, right? Um, and that deflated my heart in a way that to articulate it to anyone in the, at least in the Western medical system, nothing resonated with them. Like not once was I diagnosed with being a trauma survivor, not once was I told that I could have had PTSD. And so I say all that to say, my point is sharing what was going on in me at that time wasn't landing with any of the medical professionals that I was seeing. And so there was a discrepancy in the care that I was receiving, basically, which allowed me to further slide into just depression um, mm -hmm. over our situation which is pretty understandable. Yeah, and like the trauma that was happening, um, even just being witnessed over and over with the videos, and even if it's not like people that you personally know, but having these things shown to you over and over again and being connected to the people that it's happening to um, is, is going to create a trauma for you. Um, and I, it's, still being denied that that is part of the trauma process is being a witness to such horrible events. You know, this, what you have just said reminds me about how we're just now coming into understanding that our emotions can impact our physical health. Like what mm -hmm. a, a base level concept that sounds to be right now. But it's true that we are just kind of, you know, we as in West, the West um, are just getting there. And all of that explain, further explains why there is this gap in the understanding of the energetic body and how it is impacted and, you know, everything like that. Mm -hmm. One thing that I am curious if you had this experience. I've had it and I've heard other people that we've worked with have the experience is when you go into a doctor and they can't pull up a lab result and be like, oh, this and this is this is wrong. Then they just, they know something is missing, but they get too overwhelmed by it. And so it comes out as, oh, it's just in your head. Like it's like, it's not real. See, the these, this piece of paper says it's not real. So it's just mm -hmm. in your head. Mm -hmm. And in a way they're, saying like they know that there's something else happening but it's said in such a dismissive gaslighty way that it denies that there is something really happening that needs to be treated um and not saying like we don't have the tools to treat this here are other options and other practices that might be helpful yes i would love to get to that point i would love to get to that point and it it is true, like when you go over and over, you know, it is very defeating when you are going to the doctor hoping that they find 
you know, an aneurysm or a tumor. Like you don't want to be going to the doctor praying that they find something because that would at least lead to a path of any kind, right? But it was simply five years of hands up. We have no idea just repeatedly. And that's a journey that a lot of chronically ill people um, are facing. And I would love for the system to, of course, recognize that and even develop a special kind of curriculum of sorts um, or department that would deal with that. Because at that point, you're requiring a different kind of care. You know, you need the time to explain your medical history that you're not allowed in these short visits. And that only exacerbates um, the problem. So, yeah, I would love to see it swing over into, okay, let's look in, let's look at some other options. Like, have you ever considered, you know, meditating, which we're just now, of course, um, getting to, um, you know. How, you know, we're, this week is the anniversary of the um, Americans with Disabilities Act being signed into practice. And something that you talk about is kind of that invisible illness. Um, and I'm, I'm curious how you're seeing those invisible illnesses and disabilities affect the BIPOC and indigenous community differently. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I'm looking, I'm reading a lot of books right now, and actually I can pull one out right now. Decolonizing trauma work, right? Something that mm -hmm. I probably would have loved to get my hands on in 2014, <laughs> but wouldn't have even trusted the validity of, because that's how, you know, if it doesn't come from the white doctors, then it's not, you know, good and real and safe. Like I probably, I wouldn't have even been receptive to something like this um, in 2014. But it is in works such as decolonizing trauma work, um, where they do get into here's how Black and Indigenous people have suffered. And the link is when colonialism happens or when a group is colonized, say they regulate their nervous system collectively by dancing or drumming. So that's cut off. And now your nervous system regulation tools are gone. And that's what starts the depression and descent of um, indigenous people. And I've been reading a lot by Michael Yellowbird who has amazing resources on um, for indigenous eyes only, you know, dealing with um, the fallout of col being colonized. And they talk about um, how addiction will surface and how you know, it will just turn into a cesspool of different types of maladies um, because we've been cut off from the ways by which we used to do things. So it's showing up, to answer your question, it's showing up like that. It's showing up, you know, with just lack of resources and pain and all of the greatly predicted kinds of, kinds of ways. Only now, I think we're starting to turn to indigenous um wisdom and to look around like we've reached that people all over are reaching that five-year constant pain point and saying mm -hmm. something is missing here and i guess it also adds great context to say that you know i grew up um christian 
Catholic in a private school on the North Shore of Chicago. And that, that was white Catholicism. And that was the first eight years mm-hmm. of my life. And then I was taken to black church by my family. And so I got to see kind of both coming up. And then, you know, you I became atheist. And so that's where kind of the spirituality and understanding like indigenous works and stuff um, went out the window. But I think as a collective, because we are seeing the fallout of what has happened and we're reaching this place, um, we're looking to, okay, well, what's missing here? And the answer, of course, is understanding that we have non-physical components to our bodies that can be worked with Mm -hmm. by people like you. (laughs) Yeah, and you. Which is fantastic. I love, you know, in some of the things that you're doing is you're doing, um, you're talking a lot about like prep for events. And so like um, Ren Fair is one that you posted about recently, yes. which is amazing. But it's not just, you do a beautiful job of talking about how like the preparation for taking care of your whole self while you go somewhere and then the aftercare of of that is really important and it's not just okay it's two o'clock we got to go to this event and then we're going to leave that and go to this and we're going to act like a robot and we're going to ignore that our self all of ourselves are going to be in and out of these processes together and are going to mm-hmm. experience that differently mm-hmm. um and you do a beautiful job of talking about that and i wonder if you yeah. can can share with our audience a little bit of of your experience with that and how and why you think that's so important. Yes. Um, And it, you know, it just takes me back to when I was first prescribed medication for chronic pain and anxiety, there was no one talking to me. You know, there was no platform talking to me. There was no social media talking to me about how to exist in the world or, you know, how to, carry your medication or what that looks like when you go to Disney World, you know, how you can't just be forgetting this stuff, you know, like you really cannot. And nothing around me was addressing, you know, when you feel on the inside that you could just keel over at any minute, it helps to know where security is. It helps to know that there's someone out there in your in the facility that will help you, you know, if indeed you have a medical emergency. So these are the things that while I don't suffer from that chronic head pain and have not since, um, these are the things now that I am dedicated to um, sharing with the world. And so I talk about the Ren Fair, you know, we love the Ren Fair. Um, Things you can do, it gets loud there. So I'm thinking of people who already have chronic pain you know, let's not make it louder. Okay, let's bring some earbuds um, or let's bring your noise-canceling earbuds or anything like that. And I love compiling these tools so that people can have them and feel seen, which is what it is all about. As, you know, my lovely mentor, Chaston, would say, you know, it's about being seen. Yeah, it really is. And it's amazing how being able to be witnessed by somebody in as whole as holistically as some another person can witness somebody else and not being 
judged or othered in that process really is a healing experience in itself. Yes. And even to touch on, you know, being witnessed, and we could talk about how I was witnessed by the white medical system, but within us, the capacity, the capacity to witness is all different. And mm-hmm. while a lot of my medical care professionals, and especially my therapist through the five years, loves me, witnessed me with the utmost compassion. I mean, this has nothing to do with, did they like me? Did they love me? Were they rooting for me? The answer to all of that is yes. But what we bring to a space with our background and knowledge, how you do is the ability to witness someone in a way that is not tangible for everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. If that kind of makes sense. And so that's why, yeah, like loving witnesses matter, basically. Mm -hmm. What has your experience been like since therapy has been a part of your life um, before the head pain came? What has that experience been like for you? And both in the colonizing spaces and, and since you've left that? Yes. Ooh, I love this. So when I was in the thick of it, it was very much, I would see, you know, a psychiatrist and I would see a therapist and my therapist and I, we would have our worksheets and we would, you know, write down our worksheets, write down how we're feeling, you know, things that never seem to touch the foundation of, you know, like racism and white supremacy, which seems to be a giant glaring oversight and it's funny because they're not allowed to like talk about race like i think um i I recall them being like well we can't suggest you know racial components and it was just like oh my god like what am i doing here then in hindsight of course so it was a lot of um you know just a lot of someone bearing witness to like my pain which they could never pinpoint um, it was always mm-hmm. very nebulous to them. So worksheets, um, just talking about like worst case scenarios and learning to just like allow the worst case scenario is a lot of like anxious kind of therapy techniques will have you do. Um, and now, now we have moved completely to um embodiment you know the first time i heard about somatic anything was actually about a few years ago and it just makes so much sense you know um it just makes so much sense even the tapping techniques um about moving energy through like meridian points this is stuff that again was it posed to me in 2014 or or before i would have been like get out of here like what do you mean tapping on my face what do you mean you know, like, what is that? You know, no. <laughs> now, of course, um, it makes all the sense. So that's kind of the way in which things have changed. We're incorporating somatic um, healing. We're incorporating energy work. We're incorporating meditation. We're incorporating mantra. It's not just worksheet till you can't anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really interesting um, watching the mental health community um, through, 
everything like Ferguson that's happened and people saying you're ignoring a huge element that is about everybody's mental health and about the care and the mental health field has got a long way to go still um, but trying to catch up and trying to focus on things like what is the body telling us what are our ancestors and our you know inter intergenerational effects what is that informing us what are these mantras and meditations and what does that do what does that do for us yes um, yes yeah it's like what is the work you know it's interesting because having my background in white catholicism um, i was the only black child in a, in a class of 32 from you know kindergarten through eighth grade so like that was my upbringing and we talk about in the bible you know the word and things of that nature you know all of that and it's like okay well when we look at you know what is speaking what is that like resonating out of our being things that we understand you know it's very you know mystical when you when you think about it but it also makes so much sense it's like the glaring most obvious thing to do is understand who we are as human beings um if that kind of makes sense totally i mean i think one the easiest way into that that i've found with clients who will give me the like i'm not doing a meditation like get out of here um or really in their head is like well what does your gut tell you like that's a very commonplace thing that people throw around but yeah we know we're talking about this. That. Yes. yes yes we say um, these things you know we say well i just have a gut feeling it's like uh, uh what are you saying do you hear what you're mm -hmm. saying like body knowledge so yes yes mm -hmm. keep <laughs> yeah um but getting into like that that gut feeling and also that like that inner voice or that that self like not the negative voice that's on a loop but like what if you step back like what does your inner self say people can start hearing that whisper and like it's always there it's just the ability to turn up the volume is so important um and not discredit it because all of the media and our society is like, no, we need to prepare for the worst and beat ourselves up and all of that nonsense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. So what is Crystal Case Apothecary doing now? Like, how are you out in the world helping people? How can people reach out to you yes. for support? Yes. Uh, so I am gearing up for my official Kickstarter launch, which is probably gonna be sometime in March of 2024. Um, and I'm going to be releasing a line of pill cases and resources along with like fun merch and just like really building out the Crystal Case Apothecary universe as I like to call it. And so even I know listeners um, with non-visual components like won't be able to see this, but I can show you here I have some some <sighs> prototypes of just um like crystal talisman pill cases is what i just like to call them so this is one of my first products here so that when you're carrying around your meds it's something that you like to look at like just number one when i go to walgreens and this is always the fuel for my fire it's like 
I go to Walgreens, I go to the pillowcase aisle, and I look and it's just barren and disgusting and ugly. And I just can't mm -hmm. be having that anymore, honestly. So that's right now, that's what Crystal Case is doing and focusing on. Awesome. I love that. That's such, I mean, especially for people who are like on the move and have are traveling or going to events or doing things and need to take it with you. You don't want to take those like 19, like 60s flip boxes and it's just gross and ugly and adds more to the stigma. Exactly. And thank you for saying, you know, the stigma. That's also what Crystal Case Apothecary is, you know, actively here to combat is the stigma of it all. And that starts with, you know, what we can see and let's start looking at something, you know, in a different light, in a beautiful light that you can have this accessory because something that was almost more painful than the pain itself was, again, not being seen, not having anything speak to me that I can carry on my person. I was traveling internationally um, all those five years. Um, actively doing marketing and stuff for Comic Cons and um, Dragon Con and a whole bunch of entertainment conventions. And during those travels, I had to carry around something ugly. And so I said, no more. So that just ties in, you know, everything I'm doing right now. Awesome. Where can people find you? But the best place right now is Instagram, Crystal Case Apothecary. Okay. Awesome. Um, well, we want to end um, as we as we are starting to do and we'll do for our podcast to ask you what is like your moment of queer joy this week oh boy okay my moment of queer joy this week has been i believe it was just yesterday at two o'clock p.m inico dropped their latest video um for jericho <laughs> and when i tell you i have watched that so many times um <laughs> i have so it, it's it's all about Nico over here and boy do i just think that they are real cute <laughs> that's amazing i'm gonna have to look it up i haven't seen it yet oh you please let me know when you do because you will think that they're awesome <laughs> awesome well lindsay thank you so much for being here and sharing your experience with us the work that you're doing with crystal case apothecary is just incredible and we are so proud to um call you one of our our big queer family collective members so thank you so much again for being here thank you it is my absolute pleasure thank you so much Thanks for joining us. If you're in California looking for a therapist, visit our website at openspacetherapycollective.com and book a free intro call with one of our therapists to see if we're the right fit for you. My Therapist Is Out is an Open Space Therapy Collective podcast. Our therapists are Kristen Crow, Debbie White, Jenny Nigro, Tara Friedman, and Renee Johnson. Our admin communications coordinator is Riley Andresen. Our podcast editing is done by Smash and Grab Studio. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's topic. Leave us a comment below or email us at info at openspacetherapycollective.com. You can find us on TikTok at Open Space Therapy and on YouTube and Instagram at Open Space Therapy Collective. If you're enjoying My Therapist Is Out, please rate, comment, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening.